All right, well, welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast here with Eric Eager, the guru of all things football and analytics and math and science. And uh, he's going to, you know, invent things and all that kind of stuff. But right now, you've got a much tougher assignment. you got to try and milk my mock draft here so that I don't say anything completely foolish. I'm up to... So I, I legitimately spent probably an hour and a half on 55 players. Uh-huh. And now I'm down to the bottom end of the first round, and I'm out of players. I, I don't like any of the ones I got left. And it's not that's not true. Now that I'm starting to look through it a little bit, I've found a few more guys. But they don't always match up, right? right. And we were just talking about, like, or do you do the draft what you think they're going to do? Do you think do you do what you think are the best players available at that point? You know, how do you approach this thing? I mean, from my perspective as somebody who's trying to help people make, you know, make good bets and stuff, I I really try to think about what they will do. You know, like the hardest part is, you know, to bet the draft, you have to understand what they will do. And, and but to to sort of analyze the draft, you also have to have an opinion about these players, right? And and the hardest thing, and I think that the 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 thing that I you know as I talk to teams and people within staffs and stuff, I think that the biggest thing is they there's so much different, so many differences between what where these teams' big boards are. Like I talked to somebody last year who thought who said that Justin Fields was a third round prospect, right? Like you know two rounds off of where he ends up going. Uh, and then you, you know you obviously have the the Vegas Raiders taking Clelin Farrell at four one year, then Alex Leatherwood last year, and, and so you know I think as an exercise, you know I think you start with kind of trying to sort of get like you said fifty players that you think will go in the first round, um, but then ultimately you try to see how things fit. And uh, the the funniest thing we did the podcast with with George and I we did a live mock. When these players don't fit, the fans will let you know. You know, yeah. I, like I picked Tyler Linderbaum to the to the um, the Bucks, thinking, you know, Jensen's a little older and stuff, and I they got crushed crazy. because yeah. because he's not a great scheme fit or whatever. And it's like, yeah. okay, all right, fine. I, you know, we have to go back and 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 read a little bit more. Um, and so it's a it's a tough exercise. And you know, generally speaking, like if you get a third of these picks right. You're probably going to be in the a top. third. I'd yeah, like yeah. to get five or six right. You're, you're going to because be in the top. once you're wrong at the top, which everybody's going yeah. to be in this draft, then you're wrong throughout. You know, so you almost have to. If you were going to have a hit twelve right, yeah. you would have to hit pretty much the first five bango, which, which last year was a little easier to right. do. Because right? you you kind of knew before the draft one two four and five, right? You, you basically knew what those picks were going to be. Um, you know, especially when Jamar Chase showed up to the draft wearing Bengals colored shoes, you kind of knew what that was going to look like. But then, you know, pick three had the uncertainty. Um, and then later on, I mean, think about this last year, you know, Patrick. So I think about like uh, Sauce Gardner versus Derek Singley, right? All, the whole draft process last year, uh, Patrick Sertan Jr. was thought of as like the favorite to be the first corner taken, first corner taken, first corner taken. And he isn't even the first, like, J.C. Horn ends up being the, not only the first corner taken, but the first defensive player taken, which right. was supposed to be Parsons. And, like, the, you know, so, you did, like you said, it cascades from there. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that's why you should sort of pair teams with players. But even then, like, you know, how, what happens when some team makes a trade? You know, then the whole thing becomes I, I, a little I, bit. I, I know. So uh, we're not going to get it right, but we'll have a we'll have some fun discussing this thing. So there there's all kinds of interesting jump off points here. 
number one pick, you know, it could be anybody. I mean, it, there's like four guys still that, that very much in the hunt here. Um, and then when does the first quarterback go? Yeah. Does Detroit take a quarterback? Which of those two cornerbacks go first, right? Mm-hmm. Stingley, is it Sauce? Is it, you know, and, and then the offensive lineman, I've got ranked completely out of order that everybody else is talking about them. And I don't get it. Like, I'm watching the – I don't know if people just make predictions and they do it based on what they're hearing or if they've actually watched the tape or, you know, but even Jacksonville, uh, you know, I'm hearing Iki Aquanu might be the first overall pick. I'm like, what? Like, never would he be my first overall pick in this draft. So, um, I think a lot of that is anchoring, right? One suit. So we were at the draft, we were at the combine, right? And at the combine, you know, before Cam Robinson signed his franchise tag, it was Evan Neal's the favorite. Evan Neal's the favorite. Evan Neal's the favorite. And then eventually, some people started saying they like Iki Iquanu better for some. Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why Iquanu would be better than Neal. In, he can't pass protect. You think he's going to be a guard? And it, yeah, and he's like kind of smaller too. He's not. He has longer arms than Neal, but he's smaller than Neal from a physical. But Neal, you know, the, Evan Neal. We're going to get in the weeds here, and I don't want to. I want to get started. But Evan Neal, to me, is like, you know, he's played every guard. He played both tackle positions. He's been all, he's, it's whatever. Played six, in the SEC versus playing in the ACC, which is a lot harder, he's I think. He's 345 pounds, you know. I mean, he's a guy that, that I think you leave him alone in one position for a couple of years. He could be. Now, you want to tell me he's going to be the first overall pick? I go, I can see on the potential upside in the same way as Kayvon Walker, you know, where that would be if that's your thing. That could be the pick, you know. So, anyway, all right. So, I'm going to go through some of these things, and it's going to get ugly right off the bat here because uh, I know Aiden Hutchinson is the guy here at PFF. And and everybody has done that, and and but I now Kayvon Walker is the betting favorite, is my understanding of uh, being the yeah, first. Trayvon Walker is minus two twenty five to be the first overall pick per DraftKings. Uh, that's you know basically to bet it, you have to assume um, almost a seventy percent, you know, a seventy percent chance or so that he's going to go first overall, which is kind of crazy this is by the way uh somebody last night i was on vison this is the 11th favorite to be the first overall pick since they opened this market so you know sam howell uh Rattler, i know sam I, like, howell like, started like, the whole thing cave on thibodeau in 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 uh in uh december aiden hutchinson's been the favorite twice uh neil has been the favorite and now uh you get trayvon walker um out of uh georgia so let, let's talk about Trayvon Walker a little bit because I, I think we've Aiden Hutchinson everybody to death. Like everybody gets, and I'll, I'll give you a chance to tell what you like about him. I, I'm going to give you my honest-to-God first impression. When I, and so I started with Aiden Hutchinson, and I, everybody was, it was a favorite. So I was like, and I go, you know, he's just not quite – the athlete I'm used to seeing Mm -hmm. with the first overall pick if you're going to go edge. Um, Not that he's not a great player, not that he's not, you know, and he works his tail off. He's going to end up with 10 sacks a year. It's all that kind of stuff. Um, Then I went to, um, um, to Trayvon Walker. And I just kept watching the film, and I just kept watching it. And, and to some extent, he reminded me a little bit of Rashawn Gary, which I, you know, I didn't see. There wasn't the stuff there for Rashawn Gary back in the day mm-hmm. to go. That should be a high draft pick, and he wasn't. 
but then he went higher than what I thought he was, and now he's turned into a, a really nice good player. Pro. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I just look at and I know Walker, all his numbers have been, you know, everywhere. He's bigger than Hutchinson, you know, this the uh, two seventy two, he's got the long arms, he's got the vert, he's got the four five one, he's making plays all over the field. They had this guy playing one technique, three technique, five technique, stand up linebacker, running all over the field. If he were on a, a bad defense, like really, if he were just on a bad defense and they would have just let him play middle linebacker and run, he would have been the freakiest guy we've ever <laughs> seen in college football. But he was on maybe the greatest defense of all time. And I got the feeling that they just sort of plugged him in wherever, you know, they had an injury or they had some need, whatever. And he still made a ton of plays and he missed so many sacks. I mean, I just kept thinking if they just left this kid on the edge and or at the three technique or left him anywhere and just let him go to work, he would just be something. Then all of a sudden, they, it, everything kind of came back to me where the way I was thinking, and now he's the favorite. So, Yeah, I, the issue for me is, you know, kind of the date. Like, we, we have so many data points here that – you know, it, you can you can get out of the context sometimes, right? Like you could look at his pressure rate, which is under 10%, right? It's like half of what Thibodeau's is. It's half of what Hutchinson's is. 34 pressures in 381 total uh, pass rush snaps. The five sacks, like, you know, like you said, if he misses sacks, he, he did have seven pressures in the Alabama, you know, in the title game, which is which is certainly something doing, doing great work against, uh, you know, sort of the best competition. The the issue I have, I guess, is, you know, historically, edge, ed, like, you know, you played wide receiver, hard position to predict. What quarterback's almost impossible, right? You know, year to year. Um, edge is like one of the more solved problems we have, right? Especially with PFF data, you have, you know, does the guy have production? Does the guy have production against high level competition? Does the guy test well, right? Like, if you if you don't check one of those two boxes, in my opinion, like it's really hard to make a case for you to be the first pick or a top pick. And that's why when you also look at like, um, you know, there aren't that many like great edge players that are taken in round three, four, five, six. There's plenty of great wide receivers that are taken in rounds three, four, five, right. and six. Like this is the most efficient market from college to pro that we have in terms of, um, you know, in terms of prediction. And so I think that the issue with Walker is not necessarily that he's going to be bad, right? I don't think that that – I mean, we've seen it with, like, Donnell Hunter had 14 pressures his last year at LSU. He's been a wonderful pro. He's taken in round three. Walker, to me, the, 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 the hard part is the opportunity cost of taking, of taking Walker is, the, is giving up on taking one of two Thibodeau and Hutchinson, two players who check both of those boxes, both really – not as athletic – but pretty athletic and then extremely productive in college. I, I just wonder, and I guess like maybe maybe you can shed some light on this. Like they'd have the, the league would still have to teach him how to rush the passer, right? Agreed. And so like but like they'd have to teach Malik Willis how to play quarterback. Well, yeah, and I think that that's one of the issues why you know the the Willis thing too as well. The it can you teach like a a 22 year old player to rush the passer you know i i, I don't know but I, I i think you've hit on exactly what the point of this thing is like i, I don't think aiden hutchinson is going to get better I, like his mm -hmm. dad is you know was a great player 
He got top end coaching. That Harbaugh had professional people that knew. Yep. This kid was an afterthought. He was an afterthought at Georgia. He was a plug and play wherever we need somebody. Yep. And everywhere he played, it, he flashed. He he played well. He he did he did things that. And so when I started looking at him, I go, I don't know if he's going to be a better you know, interior rusher or edge rusher or maybe even a stand-up guy of some kind. I, I don't I don't know, but there's enough there that is uncultivated at this point yeah. in his career. That I, And I think that's what they're going to see, too. It's like my job as a GM is to not pick the best player out of college football. That's not my job. My job is to pick who is going to be the most impactful player at the pro level. And that's where I get stuck with Malik Willis a little bit too. Yeah. And not that he would go to Jacksonville, but when I start going to number two, Detroit, I watched Detroit a lot last year by accident. They were playing teams. They were, they were plucky. They played hard. They were playing teams that, that, that I was watching the opponent yeah. of. And I kept, I go, man, these guys are tough as hell. I mean, yep. they are beating people up. They are running over good defenses and being able to do it. Um, and so when they started talking about, we just want a quarterback who can make big plays, you know, and in my mind, big plays in their mind is more about runs, scrambles from the quarterback and throw it deep. Well, if you want somebody to do that, you can do that. The thing that Willis doesn't do that I would love an opportunity to coach him. Like I watch him drop back. And he looks like Matthew Stafford. You know, Matthew Stafford, like, looks both ways. and But Matthew Stafford's been doing it for 12 years and knows what he's doing. Yep. And he's got a purpose for doing it because he's trying to get that linebacker to move a little bit to throw in that backside slant to Cooper Cup. Malik Willis is looking around because Matthew Stafford did it, not because he's learning anything. Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford, I mean, Malik Willis needs to, for a little while, look at one half of the field. Right. Yeah. Okay, we'll do a screen the other way so that you can't just get a beat on that. But he needs to he needs to look at that side safety and figure out what he's doing. Yeah. Maybe maybe the cornerback, but just look at one thing and let's let's take this one step at a time, learn this and then we'll go to step 2. Because everything I hear about him, he's a fantastic young guy. And if he could slowly develop, he has everything else. He makes throws from those wide hashes to the far yeah. out on the other side. I go, son of a gun! Look at this guy. As a play. runner, he led the nation in broken tackles. Oh, I mean, like, and, and there and there was this, just the story out today. I think about how um, he has a relationship with, uh, a, you know, like a, a team. Like he, he's he's a, a great member. He's taken people in the community under his wing and like has really used his platform for good. Like he. You know, he seems to be a, a, a very good person, too, and a kind of guy like you know, you think everything about, I hear. Yeah. You think about, like, you know, what can overcome some deficiencies early. And what you're describing to me, like, as a former professor, like, this is a student who has watched you do something on the board and tries to copy everything without really understanding why. Yeah. Right. And to your point, you want to, like, limit the scope of what he has to do so he can really understand that. And then as Stafford's been in the league for a dozen years, kind of grow that thing. You brought something up interesting about the Jaguars, but also the Lions here, because I think that this is kind of why, you know, we're going to see Walker at one, and I don't think we're going to see Willis at two, even though I think it's maybe a good idea for them. The incentives of the general manager are extremely important to understand here, right? 
for a guy like Trent Baalke, like I think Trent Baalke's reputation in the league is is not that great, right? Because of the Niners thing. For him to pick a player that we all think is good and for that player to be good, he's not going to get any credit for it. If he picks a player that we're all kind of like, really? And then the guy ends up being amazing? Well, what happens to Trent Baalke's reputation? It, it goes up. Um, Brad Holmes in, in, in Detroit, I think... Even though Detroit didn't win a lot of games last year, I think all of us had a great deal of admiration for how they played. They covered the spread uh, 60% of the time or so. They, <laughs> Let's they, get right down yeah, to yeah. it here. You know, they, they played hard. Um, they, they went for the right fourth downs. They, you know, their, their process looks sound, right? And so Brad Holmes doesn't need a home run swing for us to, for that, for us to still think the Detroit Lions are on the right path. They just need to get the ball on the green, right? And so I think that for that reason, I don't think they take Willis, even though I think if the goal for Detroit is to get as good as possible, as fast as possible, he's probably the best pick. I, I agree, and, and I put it at 35%. I think there's a 35% chance that Malik Willis could end up being a really good quarterback in this league. Really good. Which is our good odds. Right. That To me, that's worth the bet over a pass rusher or a corner or, or whatever. Um, it, it, if I were Detroit, I would do it. I, I would take him. Well, I did not pick him to Detroit, though, because I don't think they will. I think they'll take Aiden Hutchinson, mm-hmm. you know, because he'll fall to number two, uh, and, and they'll take him. But I would love to have Jared Goff as my quarterback in transition, right? Mm-hmm. And and sort of, all right, let's watch because, you know, what he does is good. But he just doesn't have your body. He doesn't have your skill set. So let's watch that. Let's let's bring in a couple of packages for Malik Willis, yep. and and let's diversify an offense that really needs it. They need they need explosives. I understand what they're talking about. They don't have enough explosive kind of plays. This team isn't that as good, but it's kind of like Alex Smith. Alex Smith was a former number one overall pick. Had been through it, right? Patrick Mahomes sits behind him. Alex plays pretty well. Like, I think Jared Goff is kind of in that Alex Smith territory where he's a former number one overall pick, took a team to a Super Bowl, but it's limited, right? It could teach this totally a young player uh, quite a bit. I, I think – so you go – so I think the cool thought experiment would be because the Detroit Lions have the, the Rams pick at 32 because of the Goff, tra- the Goff trade. Would you rather have Aiden Hutchinson and, like, Matt Corral or Malik Willis and, like, Arnold DiBakite? <laughs> you know, like, I think that's – kind of the question mark as far as like if you go edge quarterback in round one does the if you, you flip- you've totally hit on the on the why of yeah. why i didn't do it uh the guy that that i really like in this draft is sam Howell. Okay. um I, and i think i can get him at the top of the i think you can round. get him at 32 his draft prop is in like right. the 40s or 50s <laughs> yeah i i think somebody's gonna take him before that though i i really do depending on on what happens if 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 willis uh, and Pickett are both gone, and I think they will be by the time we get to the end of the first round. I, I think we're going to see somebody start taking these quarterbacks, and, yeah. and I'm not so sure that that Ritter and Hal aren't going to be better players than Pickett and Willis at the top end. I mean, I, I, I don't, don't know. I, and, and, and I, the, I would, for value of exactly what you're talking about, that's why I'm going to pass on Willis for him yeah. here because I think they're going to fall in love with Sam Howe. Yeah, I think well, especially so much of what a quarterback does on his rookie deal, unless he unless he's a Herbert type player, it's the what you saw with Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones is not the best prospect last year. Gets put in the best environment, has the best results last year. Like that, to your point, like Ritter could go to the best team 
and and perform better than any of these other guys. Yeah. Uh, and so that kind of flattens the curve a little bit. All right. So I, I'm going Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, one, two. I, I hate myself for it, but I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in that no man land. Am I doing what I think they should do or am I doing what, what I think will happen here? So you, you know how that goes. So now I'm going to go down to number three. And you were just talking a little bit that maybe cornerback here and maybe a flip-flop on the cornerbacks that uh, I've got Evan Neal out of Alabama. I, 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 look at, I look at this team that, you know, they're going to have to find a quarterback at some point. Um, the best way to recruit a quarterback is to have a good, good offensive line. I think Evan Neal, and we hit on it a little bit earlier, is tip of the iceberg of what he's going to be. Um, because he's just been moved around so much and ha- been asked to do all these different things. But I, for me, he's the best player, and that's what Houston should be looking for. Yeah, there's also rumors that Houston's going to trade Laramie Tunsil. I think Tunsil, if you're a contending team and you're struggling at left tackle, Tunsil's contract is two years, $19 million, no guaranteed money. Um, you know, So you're probably going to have to give up a bigger pick, right? So you think about a team like Kansas City, you might want to move on from Orlando Brown. Um, but if, if they were to move on from Tunsil, then obviously Evan Neal makes a lot of sense here. They also pick at 13, which is you're not going to get one of the good tackles at 13. So if you, if, but you might get a Trent, Mc, like let's say you want to go corner, probably could get Trent McDuffie at 13. So this to me is a, is a, a very sound uh, reasoning uh, for a pick. Yeah, I, I just think they have to start somewhere. I, I really like Lovey Smith too. Lovey Smith, if you're going to have a guy that, that has to rebuild something from scratch. He's a patient guy. He looks like a, a Bible character or something yeah, with yeah. the white beard now and the whole thing. So rebuilt the Bears pretty yeah. pretty well in the early 2000s. Yeah, sure. he's just he's a very laid back, fatherly kind of mm-hmm. person. I think he'll he'll do well down there. Uh, the Jets. I went uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I I just I look at you know all the concerns of. You know, what he does off the field, I just think all that's BS. I I, I really do. I I look at this guy. I don't care. He's going to be in New York anyway. He's going to be tugged and pulled and and like Odell Beckham was. And, you know, I I think that I would probably put him on the phone with Odell and, and have Odell say, look, that's great. Take advantage of it, but don't let it overwhelm you. You know, don't. And, and, but this guy, I mean, he's been the best player since he was born, right? (laughs) Come out of high school. It started until like an hour ago. He was the he was the best player, uh, and 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 I I think the Jets and and Salah, you know, they were when you talk to the people in, with the Forty ers they they preach one thing: we're going to have the best defensive line in football, yeah. and then we're going to play coverage with a lot of people in behind that. Yeah. We're going to let those four guys go in. Uh, I, I as much as I want to think cornerback or anything else, I, I think that they are going to go to and, and they have the tenth pick. Uh, there's rumors that they're going to use that on Debo Samuel, which is kind of interesting. Um, but at at four, like, I, look, these are the famous, most famous of famous last words. But like, if the Jets don't get a huge haul in this draft, they will have made a mistake. There's so much available to them, and they're a team, Chris. I think if you look at their depth chart. They don't have a lot of holes. They need impact players at some spots. But they have NFL caliber players, all 22. Um, So they need a player that can come in and change the complexion of the franchise. They can't do quarterback because they did it last year. 
but they got this is a player second sort of more, uh, place. And then, again, at 10, you're going to have your pick of wide receivers. So uh, the Jets, I think, are set up really nicely in this draft. Well, and I think – so I've got three out of four edge players, and I started thinking about the psychology of all this, which you were talking about a little bit earlier. It's so much easier as a drafter of players to take an edge. You take a cornerback and he gives up the touchdown, people go, oh, your draft pick sucks. Yeah. If you take a left tackle and he gives up a sack, oh, your draft pick sucks. If you have an edge player that doesn't get a sack in a game, nobody's going, this guy right. sucks, right? Now, yeah. if he goes all year, that's one thing. But there's less pressure, I think, on edge rushers than any other position because all, all you're looking at is the upside. Yeah, yeah. You're the all you want the positive things are few and far between right so the eye doesn't catch when they don't happen you know so like that that's a that that's exactly my point all right so now i'm going to start getting into the giants and the jets and all that kind of stuff with um i i personally think that playing offensive line in the nfl has nothing to do with being a mauler everybody wants to put on a highlight tape and show me somebody pancaking another guy. And I go, that that's, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't matter. That's like saying you're good at, at four-foot jump shots well, exactly in, in the just, NBA. That's exactly what we talked about. Like the, the offensive line is about preventing the bad things as opposed to the one great thing. Like It's the exact opposite of defensive line. Uh, it, it absolutely is. So I, I th- this isn't my favorite pass blocker in here. But I, I'm going to do I, – I think the Giants will take Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. Um, you know, Sauce Gardner would have been great for Wink Martindale, who I'm sure he's pounding the table for one of those two cornerbacks. Um, but I, I, I just think that you have to give this offense a chance. And Charles Cross is not – he's not going to overwhelm anybody. He's not a guy that – that you go, oh, my God, look at what he did. He just stays in front of his guy all the time. He has great feet. He can move around. He has the ability to to just just stay in the way. And this is two-and-a-half-second league. <laughs> That's yes. all we have, yes. yes. two-and-a-half-seconds. Half the time I want to go, I can do that. I can stay in front of a guy for two-and-a-half-seconds. And then, you know, of course, they go, no, you can't. But that's I, I think Cross is the safe play. I don't think he's going to get booed for taking him. And that's well, where I go. This is the second. So in 2020, the Giants had the fourth pick. They took Andrew Thomas, who was our top tackle, was not the favorite to go top tackle. And he played pretty pretty well last year. Um, Charles Cross, our top tackle, they go that way again. Um, the thing here is interesting. The Giants do need a corner. I think they end up trading uh, James Bradbury before the week's over um, because of salary cap considerations. The thing with Carolina, they don't need a corner, right? So if you're the Giants, you pick five and seven, Carolina sandwich between you. Uh, without a trade, you're going to get a corner at seven. So you, you go ahead and take a tackle, a position of need for the Panthers first, and then get corner second. Yeah, it's, if you want to do corner, I don't know if you have corner there, but that, I, I'm I, I'm I'm going to get into my other offensive line guys here in a, a little bit, but um, I, I'm I, I feel like I've got all those guys upside down, so I'm sure I'm wrong. But I, I, honestly, if I had to take one, if it were my pick. I would sit and wait on Kenyon Green. I think Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M has the whole thing. He's 323 pounds. Mm-hmm. He can move his feet. Now, he, he grabs people. He does the bear hug stuff a little bit. Yeah. They don't call that in the NFL anymore. 
I, I just I, I you know he's played every position other than center up and down that line. I think he's going to be one of the steals of this draft, but I, I, I don't think the Giants are going to draft Kenyon Green with the fifth pick because they get booed off the stage. You know? There's a really good chance they could get him in the first half of round two, I believe. So um, not not a great chance, but a non-zero chance. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll be. I think he'll go in the top 15, 16 picks. I, 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 if I am that wrong on him, I'm going to be really impressed with myself. Um, all right, I'm trying to go through all my draft orders here. Uh, so now I've got, so I took cross to, to the giants, Carolina Panthers. I, I, I just feel like Matt rule is trapped. I, I don't know. I don't know how he gets out of the trap. If they don't take a quarter. So if they don't trade back, that would be good. I would, but nobody's going to trade up with them. Um, if they don't, then they, their next picks in the fourth round, you can't go in without a quarterback who's ready to play. And so you're almost reduced to uh, Desmond Ritter, uh, Kenny Pickett at this point. If you've got if you've got to plug and play a quarterback and have a chance, how many more years does Matt Rule get? You know, Federer I, games. Is, I think is the units of measurement here. I, like, I, I, I mean, and, and is it the best way to go into it with with this? I mean. The fact that they they're sitting there right now without a quarterback, I, I just I feel like they've got to take Pickett. I, I think the issue though is the quarterback is not going to save the marriage, right? Like we we saw it last year with with Matt Nagy and and Ryan Pace and uh, where they took you know they traded up and and were aggressive and took uh, Justin Fields. Like that just doesn't save the marriage, right? Like you know, the issue with the with the Panthers is if you roll and and we you know again, Tunsil's available in a trade, Mackay Becton's available in a trade. The problem is, is the the Panthers don't have the ammunition to like to trade for Laramie Tunsil's probably taking a second round pick, maybe, and you don't have one, right? You don't you you and um so to me, you know, the bet like because if you take Pickett and you still have Cam Irving at left tackle, like. You got no shot either, right? So I think that the problem is is the pan as you said, the Panthers have really no hope. I guess the I guess the issue for me would be taking Pickett first is there's he's kind of a no upside quarterback. He's kind of a very confined distribution. Willis to me would, would be would appear to be the one is, you know, you're taking the long shot your roll of the dice here. So that would be my only my but, only but, objection. But if you're Matt Rule, are you wanting to do that now Fitterer I could see wanting to do that but if you're Matt Rule are you going I'm looking for three years out for a quarterback I'm not I'm like I gotta try and save my job because he's not getting back in the NFL right if this doesn't work out yeah I like I said I just like and this we, we've had a number of these like there's no good answer for the Panthers. that's what I'm yeah, saying yeah. he's trapped I don't yeah. I don't know how he gets out of this trap so uh, if I from an organizational standpoint what I would do is I would either draft Willis and sit and wait on him to do it, or I would trade that pick into next year's draft. Well, the, I think that the real issue is that most teams right now do not value the top end of this draft. Uh, it's it's a problem and, for and, all these. I think that I think the Giants would trade down for sure. I think the Jets probably would trade down. I think what you try to do is give the Steelers a relatively like a basic because trading back is almost always positive, you know, for the trade back team. I think you give the Steelers basically like a sweetheart deal to trade from twenty to six, and you pick up a sec. You pick up less than what you normally would in a normal year, but 
that's all you kind of got. And the Steelers love Willis. And like, I think that that's really what you do. The teams that are stubborn and don't, and don't trade back because they're not getting as good a value this year are going to miss out. I, it, it's going to be really, really interesting. Like, I've got Willis going to Pittsburgh at anyway 20. at 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but is that – I think somebody – everybody's going to know that they're going to want him. So somebody's going to jump right yep. in front of them. That's going to be the way that it's going to play out. Um, Giants second pick, I, I did go Sauce Gardner for that one. And, you know, they've got to, they've got to find a replacement for Bradbury anyway. And, you know, the, the thing I love about Gardner over – um, uh, Stingley. Stingley is that, you know, he Gardner's this jam at the line of scrimmage guy. Um, so I'm back to my 2.5 second throwing the ball in this league. So it, it, believe me, as a receiver on the other side of it, if a guy gets a good jam on you, generally the quarterback's looking to the other side of the field. And so, but he also, you know, has a little bit of that, that Daryl Rivas kind of thing where He's gonna he's gonna take away your inside with a hard jam. If you release outside, he's six three. Yeah. You know, so we've got a little Richard Sherman thing going too. So instead of him trying to chase you, he's now gonna take an angle down the field. So you're gonna release and do a little loop. He's gonna turn and sprint to the ten yard marker and he's gonna meet you there. Yeah. So even if you get burned on the release to the outside. He's just going to cut you off, and then at six three, go yeah, go ahead, throw a jump ball. I'll take my chance. Yeah, he's kind of like the peak of what Xavier Rhodes was, right? Like a yeah. big physical guy who could anticipate really well. Uh, the obvious issue with that is what happened with Rhodes is if physically you lose it, it's hard to play corner that way. But your, I think your your point about NFL football now is absolutely correct. You win in two and a half seconds, like or you lose, or you lose. Yes, yeah. and and. and and to your point, if you can get a quarterback to go to a second read in the first two and a half seconds of a play, you win. Statistically, you are the bookmaker, and he is the better at that point in time. So that that's kind of uh, – I, I, like, I like that reasoning with Gardner. All right, so now we're going to the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons aren't winning anything – <laughs> anyway, right? I mean, there's there's just no way. They're, they're not getting rid of Matt Ryan and, and coming back with Marcus Mariota and go, oh, we're knocking <laughs> off the Bucks this year, baby. Let's go. You know, it's, it's just not happening. Um, so I went Jamison Williams here. I, I You know, it's, if you don't care that much about this year anyway, and I don't know where Jamison is on, is he going to play? Is he going to be a factor? But I do know out of this class, this kid is different. Yes. I mean, you average 20 yards a catch on 78 friggin' catches. That's unbelievable. I mean, he, he had speed that really was sort of unique in this, in this class. Um, uh, he's not a big guy, but I, I do think he's a route runner. He knows how to get in and out of routes. He gets his body down low. He knows how to change speeds. Um, he's, he's a, he's has explosive intent uh, after he catches the ball. Uh, I, I really, you know, he's got nice little double moves to help him to go with that speed. I don't think he's going to be what he was for Alabama this year coming back. The Falcons but don't need that. I don't care. Sink. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. I'm going to bring him back in the second half of the season, cut him loose, let him learn a little bit, and then I'm finding a quarterback Williams, next year. 
Williams is plus 175 to be the first wide receiver taken. Wilson, Garrett Wilson of Ohio State is currently the favorite, but there has been a ton of money on Wilson. He was as high as 8-1. to one. And now, so there is some steam there. I think this is a, a great pick. If he doesn't get injured in the national title game, I think Alabama wins by two scores. Like, it, he's he was that important to that team. And, you know, when you look at his film in the SEC title game, running away from the best college defense we've seen in like a decade, you know, there there's there's some value there. He's And the sad part about it is the play he got hurt on was a bad throw. Yeah. If the guy leads him across the field, yeah. which is where he was going, he walks in the end zone, and now he's like makes an awkward catch, and then tries to make a move. And I was, I was sad. I, I was like, "Hot dang, what is that?" Um, Seattle. I get to Seattle, and I, I just, I know Pete Carroll deep down in his soul, he wants to play defense and run the ball. And so at that point, you go, "All right, no Russell Wilson. They're going to have to now. They're going to go back to their roots, right?" Uh, in my mind, I would take Kenyon Green here, but I don't think Pete's going to do. I think he'll take Ike Aquanu, take the Mauler, take the guy that's going to beat somebody up, um, and because it's not all about pass protection for Seattle and and for yeah. Pete. Um, and this is, I, I think, the offense will fall back in his lap now. You know, Russell Wilson, Carroll was under tremendous offense to let Russ cook and all that kind of stuff. And I think now he's going to – he's gonna, however many years he's going to stay coaching, I think he's going to do it his way, and I think they're going to go – let, let Russ Cook died in one of your games, which was at Arizona on Sunday Night Football in 2020 when he threw that interception to Isaiah Simmons. Let Russ Cook died on the vine there, and they've been trying to recreate it, uh, you know, recreate what they've done before. Rashad Penny last year averaged like six yards a carry. Um, I, I think that makes Pete Carroll very happy, independent of how it makes me feel. Um, but uh, this – this is a, one of the – like, they've been mocked Trevor Penning here. They've been mocked Jermaine Johnson here. They've been mocked, uh, you know, one of the quarterbacks here. Icky, they could do a lot worse than Nicky Aquanu. Um, so, I, I, I don't hate this one. Uh, Penning, I, I, I was always – I really liked him coming out in the draft, and then he just never did anything. And I was like, I, go, oh, I just missed that one. But I'm glad to see him doing something again. <clears throat> um, the Jets – and this is this is the one that I think is my favorite or one of my favorite uh, fits uh, that, you know, as you're doing a mock draft, you go, oh, this makes total sense. I think Drake London from USC is the perfect guy for Zach Wilson, you know, because now he doesn't have to wait for somebody to get open. He's going to learn. In the NFL, you have to learn to throw it to people that are covered. That, that's, that's a really hard skill set to learn. In college football, if you're open by three yards, you get the ball. In the NFL, if you're completely blanketed and you're Drake London, you're going to get the ball. He has probably the most extraordinary catch radius that I can remember coming out on a guy. He's going to play that X receiver so that you have two choices. It's a whole league right now. You get an X receiver and either you double him and take him away or you leave that safety in the middle of the field and you throw a one-on-one jump ball. Yep. Uh, Drake London's going to be a bitch with that that one-on-one jump ball. Yeah. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers made a career out of throwing the ball to the correct shoulder of Jordy Nelson, right? Like, And, and, and you know, with Wilson, like you're right, Wilson had developed so many nervous ticks last year, right? And you saw it when they beat the Bengals where you put in Mike White and it's just like, if the guy just hits the check down, right, he's fine. He hits the check down. He's fine. The guy was so 
screwed up mentally by the middle of the season. It's it's and I look, I have my questions about London. I think as far as separation and stuff like that is concerned, it's hard to you know, the Josh Doxons and the Quan Treadwells and the JJ Arcega White yeah. Like it's it's not there's not a great track record here. So you're betting on London being different than all these guys. But giving a quarterback as many outs as possible. You have Corey Davis being kind of the get open guy, Elijah Moore similarly, and then you have the tight end uh Ozama from the Bengals. Uh, it's you're starting to give Zach Wilson a chance, and I don't think he gave himself a chance last year. But I also don't think the Jets gave him much of a chance. So I, I you know, I, I like wide receiver here to the Jets. He's he's uh, has a little more wiggle, a little more ability to get inside um, than I than you typically see for a 220 pound guy. So at least he, you've got to be able to run a go, and you got to be able to run a slant at that, at that X position. Those are the two you just have to be able to do. Uh, Washington Commanders, you know, this is, they get Carson Wentz, Martin Mayhew, Ron Rivera, here we go. I, I gave him Garrett Wilson. I, I think that, you know, you bring Wentz over, you've got to give him a chance. And uh, the thing that I love about Wilson is I think he has a little bit of the Cooper Cup double wiggle moves. You know, he's not a one move at the break point kind of guy. He's a wiggle here and a wiggle there and creating separation. I, I think he'll give him some separation. And uh, But he also, you know, he, he's got the four three eight speed to go with it. You know, Olave, to me, is much more of a straight line, glider sort of a guy. I, I just thought Wilson was more creative in getting open. Yeah, the, I mean, and with Terry McLaurin on year four of his rookie deal, you have to sort of add up the you have to is add he coming run. back is the McLaurin coming back I think he'll play this year for sure but like but he could be I mean he could be four and out for that team and you get Diami Brown in the draft you had uh Curtis Samuel in free agency like you you sign him here and now you don't you you don't have to overspend for McLaurin yeah even though McLaurin's a f- fantastic player but all right now the news you I think you're gonna like uh first pick for Quezzy in Minnesota and Kevin O'Connell and those guys I, I I've Somehow I have Stingley fallen to here. Now, I know that's probably wrong, um, but and probably goes to the commanders right in front of them. There's one of those when you're doing this mock draft, as soon as you do it, you go, oh, man, that's probably wrong. But you got to you just live with it anyway. But um, I, I'm still uh, – it makes me nervous when you're two years removed from your best football. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's had fewer than – 600 snaps the last two years and I think there's potential greatness there uh I think he's going to be comfortable with the press man you know um coverage but I what I feel good about taking him third overall I I I wouldn't he was the most valuable player valuable defensive player in college football in 2019 but as you said the last two years haven't been as good um, the Vikings, you know, they got Patrick Peterson back. They have Cameron Dantzler from a previous draft. Two years ago, Jeff Gladney was their number one pick at corner. He's now on Arizona because of legal issues. So this reinfor- this is a position, look, if, if Kwesi has read anything we've done, right, and I, you know, we know he has, you've got to get depth at cornerback, and, and this, is, this is buying the dip on Stingley. If Stingley falls this far, this is one of the best value picks of the draft. I, I agree. And, and whether he goes – I could see him going Seattle nine. I could see him going Washington eleven. I could, you know, I, there's like he could end up in Atlanta. They could pair him and you know end up with a great. So he could easily go to the Giants too. So I mean, it, it, to me, he's like one of those swing guys. He's going to go high. I just don't know where. Well, can we pause for a sec? So yeah, obviously uh, Austin, your son went to Notre Dame, played safety there, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Jack went there. Kyle Hamilton is like the top, a top player on. Our, he was number one on our board for a while. I think he's like num- he's not number one anymore because of the testing and stuff. <laughs> like Washington's a team he could go to. Minnesota's another team he could go to. The, the, his fall ha- has been really interesting, right? Like because on the field, the guys the best player in the, in the draft, I think. He, he, he is going to have the most expensive 40-yard dash of all time. It's going to cost him so much yeah. money. And because when you – you know you know what I think it was, and this is one of the things I wrote down for him. I had him going to Philadelphia at 15. <clears throat> that, that it was stunning for all of us that actually watched the tape, that you watched him and you didn't – there was no question he was going to run 4-5, at least 4-5, yeah. right? I, there was no doubt. I never saw him not get there. You know, nope. the FSU game alone, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, is insane. <clears throat> but there's – so when he didn't get there, when he ran the 4-6 or 4-7 or whatever the heck he ran, it, you started to question yourself. And I think the first round is where you get killed if you are a GM – if you draft somebody and their their times weren't good and it doesn't that ends work up showing out. up that then they blame you yeah, like yeah. how can you not see that he, you know even Joe Schmo out of Queens saw that he ran yeah. four six and you know you can't play safety at, at that speed uh, I don't I, I have my theory about long-legged guys because I was one of them. The forty-yard dash is not built for somebody six four. Well, our, our own Mike Renner, another Notre Dame grad, he he looked at the flying twenty, which is basically you know you cut off the twenty time from the forty time, and his speed is just as good as um, Dax or Lewis Cine, Cine the, the yeah. guy from Georgia. So like it, another long-legged guy myself, like it, it just takes a while to start. Now that, I guess the question becomes, and he was injured, so that's a big thing too. But like the only question I have with respect to this is you have access to the best trainers now, right? And so to have your start of your 40 be a problem, it, that the only red flag is, like, could you get that resolved by having the best trainers available to you as somebody May, who's a top maybe, five tech, Yeah, maybe, but it, it's um, Usain Bolt. If the 40-yard dash determined the fastest man in the world, he's not. Yeah. He wouldn't even be close. Yeah. There'd, be, there'd probably be thousands of guys that could beat him. Yeah. And yet in the 100... Or in in football, which to me what matters in football is sort of the 20 to about the 45 or 50. Mm -hmm. So about that 30-yard, because you're never running full speed. You know, you you may accelerate out of your your start, but then you're going to hit some glide, and then it's going to come down like Terrell Owens. I don't know how fast he ran the 40-yard dash. Probably 4-5. Jerry Rice ran a 4-6-5. But when – Never got caught. When Owens – opened up you know it was did anybody ever catch him no they never caught him nobody ever did yeah. there's a couple of long-legged guys in this one that never get got caught either so anyway so we'll get on to that houston Devonte wyatt defensive interior from georgia it's 6 3 304 with the kind of first step that he has i mean people you know they they literally miss him it's the problem is, what do you have, like 400 snaps in the last couple of years? But that's playing on this damn Georgia defense, yeah. which was I, – I, all these guys, I wonder if everything was set up for Devontae Wyatt to get the sack, all the games, all the things. How many sacks would this kid have? I mean, he is 304 pounds and moves like a beast and, and can run. 
Uh, he has a great little uh, corner. I, I put down he corners like a sports car. He can come around at 300 pounds, and then when you lose the edge on a guy that size that can also accelerate, what part of your body do you think is going to stop that once it gets even with yeah, you? Yeah. You're dead. You're dead. I, I, I think that if Houston could end up with him with 13th pick, I just think it'd be yeah, fantastic. So they go, Ross Blacklock was a defensive tackle they drafted recently in the second round, and they go with Wyatt here. That's, you know, like you're starting to build things there, which is better than you can say the last couple of years for that team. I, I, I just, at some point I put down who, when a, when a great player falls, I just go, I don't care who's on the board. I'm going to just do this. Um, I, I got to Baltimore, and, you know, I – I thought their corner play kind of fell apart last year, but I couldn't get off of Jermaine Johnson. I just think that he kind of fits that. He's such a hammer on the edge. And he, you know, I could see him just sitting over the tight end and just hammering this tight end, trying to get off the ball. And then they try and run strong side, outside zone runs at him. And he just hammers the hell out of that. And he still, you know, runs under four, six and he's six foot five frame. And, he doesn't look as twitchy as some of these other guys, but I think his just pure hustle and work ethic, he's going to fall into second try yeah. sacks. I mean, he'll end up with 10 sacks most seasons. I, you know, the interesting thing, Martindale out, right? Martindale got a lot out of like kind of low pedigree edge players like uh, Matthew Judon and Pernell McPhee and guys like that. You know, last year was Tyus Bowser kind of doing the everything role for them at edge. And then they had uh, Adafi Owe as the as the draft pick. This would be another one. They play a lot of edge players, though, on that defense. The interesting thing is Mike McDonald now, the former defensive coordinator for Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, right? So, like, you kind of sort of make that connection between the hustle, kind of uh, stand-up defensive end that can, you know, rush the passer. That You know, Johnson, there's a lot of steam for him going in the top 10. I think at 14, it's okay. I'm a little concerned about the fact that his only productive season in college came when he was 22 years old. You know, that that's a little bit of a uh, – and a lot of Well, his, he had to leave, right? He left, he left Georgia, yep. which makes you a little concerned, too. Like, yeah, that's a great defense. Yeah. But it wasn't like an all-world defense when he had to leave, right? right? It was this year. And then and then the other tricky thing is a lot of the steam on Jermaine Johnson is senior bowl related, which is kind of, you know, that, that, that worries me a little bit when you, you know, when you can, when that is the reason a guy's being taken high. I, I just think he is, I think he's physical enough that you're never going to go, oh, that was a bad pick. I, I just don't think so. We talked about Philadelphia and Kyle Hamilton. Um Good pick, uh, you know yeah. that's that's they lose Rodney Rodney McLeod. They they have him with uh, Anthony Harris. I think that's a good I, I just think package. that's a cornerstone. You just start building defenses around that. New Orleans Saints. I saved my favorite Kayvon Green for them to play left tackle. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to go. Ah, it's a guard. And I don't think so. I think that he has most of these tackles that I watched in this in this process. I didn't think – I thought they were all guards. This, to me, is the last – that's not true. He's the last good tackle. <laughs> and there are other tackles. There are other sort of finesse players uh, out there. But uh, one of the things that really impressed me with him was that when he got to the second level, he had the ability and he had the feet, despite running like a 5-2-4. Four. He's not a great runner, but he had the feet – to stay on blocks on the second level. And that is really hard to do. Those athletes in the NFL at that second level, 
generally they just sort of dismiss a lineman trying to chase mm-hmm. them and get them. He could stay on those guys, and he's the perfect two and a half second. I can stay in front of you with my feet. Got it. Well, and and uh, Sean Payton, who is now gone, but a lot of his his uh, fingerprints will be there. Sean Payton was the 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 king of turning okay linemen into stars by two and a half second plays. Yeah, I and, you know I watched him against Alabama. He could displace people in the running game at three hundred twenty five pounds. I, I think that's the hidden gem of the whole draft right there. Uh, now I started getting into things that I didn't love. Um, I think Chris Olave, so the Chargers are next. And I, I go, okay, I, I'm just trying to – I'm starting to run out of guys I love. Um, but Olave, I think, is a good player. But so many of his big plays came against the lesser teams that they played against. And he was running through zone defenses. And, you know, he just didn't make anybody miss – uh, when he had the ball in his hands, the way that some of these these top end players did, he's not the feisty guy. He's just smooth, you know. He's a number two, and the minute that you forget about the number, you double the number one. He's going to run a deep over, and you're yeah. not going to be able to catch him, you know, kind of things. But I, I also am kind of a believer: if your best player is your quarterback, just keep loading up yeah. on people around him. And I, I, you know, I, I don't love the pick, but I'd put Olave there. The uh, the interesting thing here is the Chargers don't have a ton of needs, right? No. I mean, they you know they went out got Sebastian Joseph Day, so you know uh, Jordan Davis is not necessarily a, a factor here. Um, you know, they do have Williams and they do have Allen, both on twenty million dollar deals. Right tackle is an issue for them, but you know, there's not really a right tackle. I, I, I didn't think there was either. I, so, I just didn't think there was. I, I think I think this helps him. Like, look, this is a very good value pick. If he ends up being a great third wide receiver for them, it's worth the money at seventeen. I think. So Philadelphia Eagles, back to them now. And I just kept thinking back to their Super Bowl years, and they're another one of those when the front four is good, they're good. Uh, and Jordan Davis at six foot six and three hundred forty one pounds with a great first step, and guys can't cut him off on inside zones or outside zones. I, I just think he's a unique guy. You know, it's always hard uh, when you got somebody who's three hundred forty one pounds and runs a four seven eight to pass on him anyway. But it is also hard when you know they're only going to play half the snaps. You know, I yep. mean, he's. You know, if you get 500 snaps out of them, it's great. But I, I look at the league now as as a, a soft, you know, coverage kind of league. And so on first and second down now, instead of having seven in the box, you're going to have six. And this guy is a – he's not a two-gap player. He's a three-gap player. I mean, he can, he can help shut down opponents' running games almost by himself and allow you to play the extra guy back. Yeah, absolutely, and and the, the the Eagles without a lot of talent in the secondary the last couple of years, you know, especially last year with Gannon as the defensive coordinator, like we're very vanilla, right? And I think this helps them play that defense where it's like you don't have to have the extra men in the box. Their linebackers have never been good. It's and, San Francisco. Yeah. It's Robert Sala. It's I, I think that's the Eagles for years have tried to find cornerbacks and make it work. You know, the New England way playing some man coverage and all. I think this is a better path forward for them, but anyway. Yeah. All right, here's here's one that I, I kind of struggled with a little bit. So I got the tackle for the Saints with their first pick here. And now I'm, I'm down to uh, their second pick at 19. 
And I took Jalen Petrie, the safety slot, edge rusher, whatever the hell he is from, from Baylor. Um, the, the, the fastest way for me to describe him is sort of Troy Polamalu-ish. You know, he's, he just throws his body around everywhere. Four, four, six speed. Uh, he can rush the quarterback. He can play in the box. He doesn't play back a whole lot, but, you know, he's fast enough that he could. The only flaw I had with him was that he's just too aggressive. He wants to make every friggin' play, and sometimes he'll jump a route and leave somebody wide open <laughs> for a big play down the field. But he just, you know, he just screams football player, and it's somebody mm-hmm. that you'd like to build a team around. So I probably put him a little higher than maybe some do, but uh, he's just one of those guys that I just go, I just like that guy. Yeah, Dax Hill is kind of like that similar player that I think a lot of people are mocking in the first round. Um, New Orleans, you know, they had a, the retirement of Malcolm Jenkins, right? That's kind of the player that they're looking, you know, kind of that's that inside defensive back type of player that they're really looking for. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, I, I don't hate that pick at all. I think New Orleans is looking for impact players. You come out of this draft with a player, you know, if you're going to use him at tackle, uh, at a premium position in Kenyon Green and a premium position now, which is inside defensive back in Petra. You, you really bring up a good point. Daxton Hill is the kid from Michigan, and I kept looking at him, and, and of course, they, they ended up, they, they would do so much with him as well. I kept thinking, what if you just put him at free safety? You know, he was running four three eight, and what if all he did was make sure you didn't hit one of those two outside deep shots, or he could just run with somebody down the field because he can do all the other stuff too. You know, he's he's a he's a tough guy. Um, I, I think he can play in the slot. I think he can do a lot of different things for you. Uh, that sort of versatility has real value in the game. Um, but, I, I, I mean, he would blow up those wide receiver screens. I mean, yeah. he was a tough kid. Um, but I, I just kept thinking the, the idea that he could be a free safety when you needed it made me almost flip-flop, but I just like Petrie so much. Yeah. I, just, I just like his style of play. Um. Uh, is cool. So now we're on the Steelers, and and we get. The, you know who I've got? Yeah, yeah. I've got Willis somehow falling here. I truly don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I I honestly had not thought about Pittsburgh trading up because I thought that they might look at this, and it's possible Willis has gone with the second pick, yeah. <laughs> you know, or or the sixth pick. Well, I I see and I I see similarities <clears throat> here with. Mahomes, right? Like, not that I think he's as good of a prospect, but at the time, like when the Mahomes thing started, Andy Reid was not that bashful about his affinity for him. And, you know, when he was the 25th projected player, everybody's like, oh, this is a great connection. And then everybody sort of like got hot and heavy on Mahomes and they had to move up to 10, right? Willis, you know, I I think, um, you know, Mike Tomlin, who's I think going to be the coach there for a while, has been a Hall of Fame guy, very similar to Reid, like made his affinity for Willis known. And, you know, Willis's draft stock has kind of climbed. Now, it's not – I don't think it's – Mahomes' draft prop in 2017 was 16 and a half. Willis's is 13 and a half, right? So the market believes Willis is going to go around pick 14. I think, you know, it, it's hard to predict trades, but I think there's better than 50% chance the Steelers are going to move some some size of a mountain to go up and get Willis. Or, or somebody will. Yeah, or somebody <laughs> will. But I think Pittsburgh is going to be – Pittsburgh, like if you're sitting there and you're at 13 and you're Houston and some team calls you and says, we're going to trade up for Willis, 
you call the Steelers, right? Like, I think that that's you, – you call the Steelers and say, hey, this is what uh, New Orleans is offering me. What do you got? And, and I think, like, ultimately the Steelers will do what it takes. Yeah, I, probably so. It's going to be an interesting transformation of that offense, that the way they were mm-hmm. playing with Ben Roethlisberger at the end of uh, – If you could even call it an offense. Right? I mean, but <laughs> they, they were just catching it and throwing it, and that is the last thing that yep. they're going to get with Willis. So – to some extent, it's the Steelers going back to what Ben was, holding when the ball, he was great. stiff-arming yeah, yeah. Him, you know, people and the whole thing. Uh, New England, you know, I just feel like they've got to go corner here with J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore no longer in-house, and uh, McDuffie from Washington I had as the next best guy. Uh, he can be a little grabby on the routes, may need the boxing gloves to train <laughs> to keep from mm-hmm. holding. Uh, I love his change of direction. Um probably a little bit more of a zone guy and that makes me somewhat nervous because I don't think that's really what who the Patriots are at their core uh, but I also see McDuffie as a guy who could make that switch to free safety at some point yep. if they need yeah, he's I mean they did that with with Devin McCourty um, when that was necessary and and they they did kind of shift to a more zone defense last year without Gilmore like I, I think they let they freely let Jackson go uh, McDuffie's slides right in there for them Green Bay Packers, I ha- I really debated this one. I, so I was going to take receiver. Uh, you've got Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, Christian Watson, all still hanging in here. Uh, I took Sky Moore. I, I, I think Sky Moore has some Julian Edelman kind of traits yeah. to him. Uh, Big-ass hands, catches it, has nasty intent with it after he catches it. Um, I, 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 and I was trying to go, okay, well, I can get Sky Moore later or I can get Jahan Dotson later. So I think Jahan Dotson is going to end up being a slot player more in the NFL than what he was at Penn State. Uh, but there's something about Sky Moore that he just brings a fight and an attitude to the position and an understanding that I went backwards. Ordinarily, you think, all right, I want an outside guy. And then I want the inside guy. But I was afraid both of them would be gone mm-hmm. by the time that we got back to it. Um, and I, I, I just don't think they're ever going to regret taking Sky Moore. I just, I just no. I like his style, his attitude. He didn't return punts or kickoffs at, at Western Michigan, but also one of the things that the Packers have historically struggled with as well is the return game. Like They've been one of the oh worst special, God, teams special teams. And, and I, I think that there's a little bit of added value to a player who has his sort of skill set as well. Um, but yeah, this is a good dependable. I mean, the one thing we know about Aaron Rodgers is like he values dependability in a wide receiver position. I, it's exactly Alex. right, you know. And and um, he he's with Devontae being gone, he's going to have to have somebody that he trusts. Like yes. I would use the word trust when I talk about Aaron Rodgers as much as I would use any other word. And I think the only I don't say that. I think Jahan Dotson and Sky Moore are the two that he will develop a trust with the fastest uh, and give him answers when he's in trouble more so than any other. I I, I almost put Dotson in there. I just kind of fell in love with Sky Moore, so I went that way. And then I turned right around for Arizona, and, you know, I, I probably should have gone edge or something, you know, with, with this. But for the same reason, I took Jahan Dotson next, and I, I just think that – is you're looking at Kyler Murray without a Larry Fitzgerald, 
Um, you just need an answer. He, sometimes he needs quick answers in the passing game and not just take off and run every time that that he ends up doing something. But as far as a little guy with a catch radius, I, I mean, he's unbelievable. Some of the catches Jahan Dodson made last year, and he runs four four three, and he played outside. He really wasn't a slot. I just and and when I was watching the Ohio State and Michigan games, uh, Penn State just kept getting the ball to John Dotson. It was like they they they're like screw it. And I'm, that's I, with bad quarterback play. Like they did not have good quarterback play. And you know, like when you think about you know wide receivers at the NFL level, you know, if college to pro, can you separate and can you track the ball? Right, and like Jahan Dotson, I want to, I got to get this number properly, but he's like 96th percentile in terms of winning against single coverage. Right, that's a huge trait. And to your point, there were the, I mean, I think about Penn State, Wisconsin, right? uh, Sean Clifford, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, right, in that entire game. But then, you know, when they needed a big play, I mean, the guy just dropped back and and hoped that Jahan Dotson could get open. He chucked it up. It was Cooper Cup. He was Cooper Cup in the biggest games for Penn State. 95th percentile separation percentage on Cardinals. I I mean, and big hands for the cold weather and uh, not Jahan Dotson. I'm I'm thinking of uh, Packers. Um, So then I go to the Cowboys, and and this got hard, too. Like, you know, Arkansas, Jerry Jones, the whole thing. So I I, I couldn't, and they got to replace Amari Cooper, but – Traylon Burks is another one of those big body guys, 6'2", 225, that, okay, yeah, he doesn't look fast. He didn't time fast, but he never got caught either. And he's playing in the SEC. Um, And my problem is that I'm just – I've got got to put him at X, I think, because it's the same sort of thing, jump ball, contested catch, all that sort of stuff. Do I feel comfortable moving Gallup into some other role? Because that's traditionally been his right. role, the deep ball out of the X position. So this may be a bad pick. <laughs> you know, I, I kept – and I I would have plugged a guard in there and maybe to to help him. I just don't like the guards. I just I just didn't like them. Yeah, Zion Johnson of, of, of um, Boston College is kind of like mocked here, but, but I, I, I think I, Burks I, has the Arkansas connection plus – receivers nowadays are here to complete groups, right? Like when you were drafted, you had to be everything, right? Like wide in, in the eighties, you had two wide receivers that had to be everything. And you brought a little guy in to play in the slot on third down. Right. And now like the, these guys have to complete groups. CD lamb can play the slot. You know, Michael Gallup can play the Z and then you have, you know, Burks can play the X and that's a pretty damn good group, especially now that you have, you know, Dak Prescott on a pretty heavy deal, right? Like, I, I kept trying to like Zion Johnson. I'm not even sure I like him in the second round. I, I just, yeah. I just didn't think he was athletic enough to do what he needed him to do. Buffalo Bills. I took Andrew Booth, the cornerback out of Clemson. He's coming off that core surgery, but I thought of the of the top three corners. You know, he was, you know, he was about as tough a guy as you could have. A lot of violent contact out of him. Plus, they've got issues in the secondary. Levi Wallace now in free agency. Tredavious White coming off the ACL. This is, you know, they, they need corners. Yeah, the, and this gets us to four corners in round one. The betting markets have it four being kind of the most uh, frequent number. So that that's kind of interesting given that we still have a few picks left. Tennessee Titans, I, I struggled with this one too. I think that Trevor Penning is the guy that, you know, he's six seven, three hundred and twenty five pounds. He's got this great move where he pulls down one shoulder pad and 
he pushes up on the other and he literally pins guys to the ground and he's just nasty and he's not happy until you're on the ground and he's humiliated you. He's a little clumsy in pass protection, um, but, you know, Chris Henry and who cares, you know, that's yeah, not yeah. who they are. And maybe, and I, he probably is a guard. That's probably where he has to play despite his size. Yeah, from Waterloo to Nashville. Um, he, I think the only issue for me with him uh, penalties, just a lot of penalties, um, uh, not, which is tough to do from the the one double A or the FCS. Uh, I, I'm I, sixteen penalties last year. I, I did not have a high grade on him. I just started. I'll be honest with you. I started running out of guys that I really loved here to play. I'm gonna go back and watch a few more big guards and see if I can find one I like. Uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. This one I struggled with too. I just got down to the best player available. I couldn't believe I haven't taken Devin Lloyd off the board yet. Um, I look at Levante David. He's a great player. He's getting older, you know, maybe ends up. And, and probably the thing that I love most about Devin Lloyd uh, is his pass rushing skills. He's like Mr. Wiggle. <laughs> I mean, they can't they can't block him. Backs cannot Dude, block I, him. That's the biggest thing, right? So when you think about Lloyd, the value here for him um, is the Parsons pick from last year where, you know, you have a guy who can be kind of a – Lawrence Taylor's maybe a little heavy, but like that kind of player. And Todd Bowles traditionally has been able to use multiple stand-up guys back through this time in Arizona. He hasn't really had to in Tampa because he's had so much talent in Tampa Bay, but this, this helps. Right now, you can get 50% off a PFF Elite Annual subscription if you use code DRAFT50. Never seen 50% off. With 365 days of Elite, you can get all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL Draft, 250-plus uh, three-page scouting profiles on all these guys. Uh, completely unlocked the Mock Draft Simulator, which is the greatest tool we've ever invented around here. And that's promo code DRAFT50 for 50% off a PFF Elite Annual subscription. Also, be sure to check out the PFF Draft Show. When is it? Well, of course, it's every night that the draft is, all three days, and you are going to see about 24 hours of total coverage with guys who have been studying it all year long. So go to pff.com for our one-of-a-kind draft tracker during the show, and we're going to have the grades and the data on every single selection. Get back to the Green Bay Packers. The best players I probably have on my board right now are linebackers, running backs and safeties um the the wide receiver is is an interesting pick i i, I really think they need to take two uh, if i've got aaron Rodgers, i don't give a damn i'm just giving him his and he, and he's being paid everything yeah like, uh, and you so gotta you gotta you gotta know that that's part of the thing you gotta give him a chance so here's my question like i think christian watson is a guy that has the skill set, 6'4", 208, mm -hmm. um, you know, runs 4'3", played at North Dakota, uh, whatever, North Dakota State, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. And and so he has all the measurables that I like. And, and he has these incredible plays where he blocks three people. You could watch their offense. It's like they just tried to get him the ball in any way possible. They hand it to him. They throw it to him. He was, just, he was a better athlete than what he was playing against uh, on the field out there. He also looked a little nervous at the catch point. And if you bring him in to be Marquez Valdez-Gantling – 
and cut them loose. Yes. When they throw that 50-yard pass, you have to catch it. And I think that's the big thing is his drop rate was way too high. Now, I will say at the end of the year, he seemed to settle in a little bit. I thought his confidence grew towards the back end of the season. But, God, I don't want him to be Cordero Patterson and this guy that you love all the measurables. And then, you know, he ends up a a running back, you know, at the tail end of his career here. So I I actually don't hate – like I, you know – I'm much more of a quant than I think a lot of people. And I think about, you know, these draft picks as assets, which, you know, maybe isn't the best, uh, you know, always the best thing to do, I guess. But when you look at Sky Moore, right, the guy that we we took, you know, earlier on, um, six drops, three years at Western Michigan, right? You have the dependability there. You have the... And it shows when you watch the tape, it shows. Is there really that big, like, you're taking two guys here. You really need one guy to be great. Right. And the other guy to compliment. You don't need to like if, if you're the Packers and you say we got to come out of this first round with two great wide receivers, your expectations are out of whack. Right. The way that it works is you take two wide receivers. One of them has certain skill set, dependable, you know, uh, predictable, um, you know, maybe not necessarily as high of a ceiling. You take that guy at 22. Then you got this other guy who's got a lot of flaws, but has a much higher ceiling. And that's your portfolio of wide receivers. And you just deal with it. What? And if this guy's not dependable. Chances are Sky Moore is going to be the guy, and then you come out of this fine. And would you consider all like a George Pickens here, the the Georgia kid? George, I, I texted one of my friends in the league. I said, what do you think of George Pickens? And this person almost never says anything nice about a player. He goes, really good player. I think the issue is the a lot of the interviews and stuff have not been great for him. Um, there have been rumblings that – so his pick number is 36 and a half. A lot of people like over that – um, because of the character concerns. But Pickens is a much more polished receiver than Watson is. Um, it's just the question about, you know, coachability, things like that. And I know the Green Bay receiver, and I don't, I, I don't pretend to watch Pickens block, but, like, the Green Bay offense requires their wide receivers to buy into the whole gamut of plays, right? Well, and Watson like, will. I and, mean, and that's, Watson I definitely will. Thing. Yeah. So now we're down to your Kansas City Chiefs. And I I am still loaded up at linebacker. I, I and and a little bit of edge rusher too. I and running back, but they're not taking a running back. So let me just let me just hit you with a, a few guys here, um, and and see if you would you want any of these guys. Have you of the of the edges remaining that we still have on the board here? Um, I that. think there's a really easy one, actually. Oh, good. Give it to me. So, so for, for one, I think linebackers going to be tough for the Chiefs. They just use two consecutive second-round picks, and they're a nickel team. So, right. like, you don't really want to have a guy, you know, taking away from your previous picks. George Karloftis of Purdue, to me, is, if he falls to this part of part to Kansas City, I think that they should be really happy. Um, he, in our projection system, he looks really good. He tested well. He was productive at Purdue despite – being really the only defensive lineman on that team that had any who was any good, um, and he's kind of the Steve Spagnolo edge player where he you know can set the edge and he's big and and he is definitely uh, and, that. And, and the Chiefs, I mean Frank Clark got one pressure in the AFC title game against the Bengals, and he's been terrible. Do, do you think Karloftis will do better than that? That that was my concern was like to me this is this is a really tough call. 
um, from the standpoint of agreed. He's big. He's tough. He's physical. He's going to pound on people. He's going to set the edge. He's going to do all that. But I, I just don't know if athletically he's special enough to to overtake some of these other guys in here. And I know, like, the Jabo, you know, got hurt. Um, uh, Boye Mafe, guy from Minnesota, mm-hmm. you probably know. Even, uh, like, uh, Bonita from uh, Oklahoma. Drake Jackson from USC is a good athlete. I, like, I mean, like, do you want that pounder or do you want that potential just fly around the edge but guy? Here, here's my take on Kansas City. They need a wide receiver, but they don't need a wide receiver nearly as bad as they need edge. They need a corner, but they don't need corner nearly as bad. The, I, I almost, like, if you came away from 29 and 30 with two pass rushers, I would not be upset and if one of the pass rushers was more of a you know Carl Loftus is more of like an above average athlete um not in a not a freaky guy but above average 92nd percentile in vertical jump 78th percentile broad jump uh 50th percentile in 40 um if you end up with him and then sort of more of a high ceiling guy like an Arnold Ibikite or Drake Jackson or something like I'm perfectly fine with that. The Chiefs, if you roll the ball out tomorrow, the Chiefs have no one that can rush the passer from the edge, and that includes Frank Clark. So uh, that, to me, I think you need, like, they need somebody maybe with a lower ceiling but a higher floor at edge because they, they that's their Achilles heel. They cannot rush the passer from the edge. Could, could they go two? Could they go one hammer with Karloftis and then go another one of those guys that are just pure speed? and Or, or would... Like, I still think that uh, Elam out of University of Florida yeah, is a quarterback that can play. Like, I, I would I – because, would, you know, he's coming off a knee injury, and and I, I thought the tape from his junior year was much better. And he comes back, and, yeah, he looked a little – I thought he was protecting his leg a little bit. Yeah. We are just watching him. Year two out of that, you know, he could be a really nice player, and if you got an edge in a corner, that wouldn't be a bad result. They got back-to-back picks there. Yeah, I think that or, you know, I know that they replaced Tyron Matthew with with Justin Reed, but like Tyron Matthew's sort of more of that Daxon Hill type player, right? And and that that could also help them in the secondary. They have not used in the Steve Spagnolo era anything higher than a fourth round pick on a corner. They believe that if they have great safety play, they can sort of mask deficiencies at the cornerback position. So that that's also an option. Like they could go uh wide receiver here, but I also think that they like Dotson. And if he's gone, then maybe they just go edge-edge or edge-defensive back. And potentially they could go safety corner. They could go yeah. Hill and Elam. You yeah. know, I mean, any of those things, Just, I, I guess it just depends on how they feel about Karloftis. I, I, was, I, I would be afraid I would end up with another guy who really could hammer the edge and end up with, five sacks yeah, you know yeah. and I, I would Clark. want I would want a chance of something bigger than yeah. that and and but anyway what do you think of boy boy Mafe was another guy I, I liked think him like I liked him yeah. I did I I you know I tried not to because I know there's some questions about him but I I think that if they went edge edge he would 100 percent in, in in my way of thinking, I would take Mafe probably over Karloftis just because I would want the upside. And again, I'm back, right back to the only thing that matters: can you impact the the passing game? I don't care if you can set the edge; I just don't care. Like I need ten sacks. You, you tell me a guy who's going to get me ten sacks. Well, this is your draft, so we'll go Mafe because I, you prefer him. And then what do you? Uh, I, I would go Elam. Elam. I, I okay. would. I, so Another gonna, a Gator. 
Another Gator right there. So I'm going right there with Boye Mafe. Now it's your Cincinnati Bengals, Edge. 31. This is um, this is interesting here. Um, have you ever? Have you? Can you remember the last time that the Bengals didn't have a glaring need on their roster? Because that's currently their situation. Um, 1988, the Super. Well, you guys were coming off a kind of a bad 87 year, even. But when the last time you made the Super Bowl, but the. But this, I mean, this—you look at the Bengals. What do they need? They—they they don't need a ton. Depth um, is probably the biggest thing. You know, a, a, a Karloftis kind of guy might really fit the Bengals, mm-hmm. just as a versatile piece. You know that you could do a lot of different things with. Um, so I don't. You know, I could also see him taking a shot at like a David Ojobu. Yep. You know, just because they don't need him to play immediately. Exactly. And he can be high end. You know, yeah. that if, if, you know, one of those guys, is there somebody that, that I just like that's coming off an injury that people are going to shy away from? The other thing that I always hear a little bit about, and the, another one is, is, are those inside linebackers? We haven't even really hit on that. Let's do that for one second here, just as a, a part of this exercise. Um, we get back to all these guys, but um, this is it really would be an opportunity. So, Lloyd, I've got gone, but Nicobe Dean out of Georgia mm-hmm. is a really good player. It's almost like you got to distinguish. He's number 17 for them, great blitzer coverage, smaller kind of guy, you know, 229. Uh, but he has the ability to put some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I, and if he runs, I never saw a 40 time on him. Yeah, he, I, I, the medicals for him, like if, and I'm a betting man, I'm betting he doesn't go in the first round because of the medicals, medicals but also like the non test, the testing issues. Because um, if he runs four five, which I think there's at least a remote chance he, he plays does, like he runs a four five, he does. Yeah. If he runs four five and can play man coverage the way that he he does, there's a spot for him in the first round. If he runs four six five. I, I, Don't you I, think the Bengals are kind of? I mean, I, I'm actually pretty proud of the hometown team by how they built their defense in a very PFF way, which is like, believe me, I know, you know I've been like, watching them. Throw a bunch of assets at the secondary, kind of skimp off at linebacker, and you end up with. I mean, they they get the the Gaither guy, and then they got uh, Logan Wilson with the big interception, or no, Gaither got the interception in the Raiders game. So you have two linebackers who are very functional players from later in the draft. Like, I think it would be out of character for them to use premium draft capital on a linebacker. Would they go another safety at this point? Well, so Jesse Bates, what's the – I? I he has I, not I, signed his franchise tag, right? right? So, and, and so they, they now know what the dollar figure is going to be to sign him. And there are really good safeties left in this draft, too. Yes. And, and Von Bell is a good player, but not like right. – You know, Von Bell is a good player because Jesse Bates is a great player, right? So the – you know, you get somebody in there. I mean, you know, so Dax Hill could be one. Um, the, the guy seen. I haven't seen, seen's great too. The other guy that I really like, who's going to be a value to a team in round two, is Jaquan Brisker of Penn State. I think he's a very good player. Um, I, I actually think Jaquan Brisker, if you look at like the metrics and stuff, compares really well to a guy like Kyle Hamilton. So he's he's absolutely uh, sort of that tone setter um, on the defense. He he. he was basically a box player or a slot player, 165 snaps uh, deep was was all he did. 
Um, but he does have the speed. I mean, he could there, – there's a lot of guys. Daxton Hill we talked about, yeah. you know, that sort of position. Yeah, I, the Bengals really can't go wrong here, and that's like the position they put themselves in by hitting on a round quarterback, hitting on premium players like Jonah Williams and then the three wide receivers, and – uh, and then and then using free agency money and hitting on Trey Hendrickson like they when you look at the Bengals they've gotten a lot of crap over the years but like they've they've made a lot of good bets of late and they, that's put them in a position where they're, they're it's house's money for them right now yeah I, I, it would not surprise me to see them either go edge or or free safety at this point I'm actually going to give them Daxton Hill just yeah. because I've been wanting to put him somewhere and I think that at the very least you push the needle. Um, in your negotiations mm-hmm. with Bates, you know, yep. and, and, and so you, it's a three safety league anyway, right? So, you know that that puts you in a position where you you have a lot of outs. And finally, now we're going to get down to the Detroit Lions with the last pick in this draft. Um, I know where you're going on this pick. <laughs> you absolutely do, right? I mean, this is this is their opportunity to me um, to hit the home run. I, I mean, they get. I think they're going to pass on Willis in the beginning, and I think they're going to go Sam Howell and they're going to feel like they got the same guy with a little bit more of a proven passing career from his junior yes. year. Um, and But all the physicality and the respect that a Tim Tebow kind of leader is going to bring to the table because he just runs his ass off and, and – it just throws his body around and just doesn't care. But when he does throw the ball, like I think we're going to have to go through the same thing that we do with Malik. Let's read one half of the field. Yep. You know, don't be afraid to run. That's okay. But Sam Howell to Detroit at the last pick, to me, just goes, damn it, they just won the draft. The thing with Howell <clears throat> that, that is underrated aspect here is he has the running ability that gives you a really high floor for a rookie quarterback, right? Um, he's a much better athlete than I, I thought we all gave him credit for going into the year. They got they lost Diami Brown. They lost Javante Williams. They lost Michael Carter going into the year. And the offense struggled as a result, but I don't think it was because Sam Howell took any like legitimate steps backwards. I think it was just, you know, he was an incomplete product uh, who was really good when he had a bunch of weapons and then struggled when he didn't. And that, and that's that's okay, you know, and and he doesn't have to play right away. And if he if he comes in and beats out Jared Goff, then the Detroit Lions are in a really good spot. I, and I look at them <clears throat> not only running from the quarterback position, but I think he's a sort of classic RPO kind of quarterback with really quick resetting of his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, a, but a good, nice release. I, <clears throat> one of the things I'm going to pick on people this year is I, I think sometimes these guys have been overcoached from these quarterback gurus. Mm-hmm. And when I <clears throat> when I see people take the ball and flip it upside down and extend it away from their body, Dan Marino never did that. Joe Namath never did that. You go back and watch some of these old films. Nobody's ever done that, no. playing the quarterback position. So now – these edge rushers are coming around the edge, swatting it out of their hands. That's the only thing defenses can do now to win. Is it, to it, I'm like, who the hell is are teaching these guys to flip this ball upside down and extend it from their body? So, uh, but I, I think that Sam Howell is very coachable, fairly tight release, um, has a brings a lot of things. I I, I really do think that he uh, will have a chance. Uh, to be something. And it wouldn't stun me if Ritter was the choice here either. Mm -hmm. But if they can get a quarterback at 32 and not have to take 
Willis at two uh, and get Hutchinson or whoever I, falls to him. If they, I mean, shoot, if they, if Hutchinson falls in their lap at two and then they get a the third quarterback prospect in this draft at 32, that's a pretty good haul. That's a pretty good haul. Well, we shall see. I will, my prediction is I get fewer than five right because I think the top end of this draft is going to be such a free for all. Everybody's board is going to get shuffled. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to stay with my bet. My early bet was Trayvon Walker. I take a lot of heat around here. I think that Aiden Hutchinson is is the safer play, but I don't think that is Trent Baalke. I just don't think he's the safer play He doesn't play have the guy. incentives to make a safe play. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think it is. So, Eric, it's always a pleasure, bro. Thank you, and we'll see you uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, it'll be fun.